Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we are... It's kind of crazy to me that we are just a week away from Thanksgiving, a week and two, a week yeah. and a day. Obviously, um, it just seems like this year has flown by, and I think we we all have a lot to be thankful for. Some things to not be yeah. so thankful for. Sure. But one of the things I am thankful for is that I get to continually come up to New York City and see things yeah. with folks, including you. So at the end of the episode, hey. I, I'm going to run through the rest of my trip. We talked about the first half oh, last week. I thought um, you already I, did. No. I did not. I have not done cool. the second half of the trip. I'm going to talk about the shows that I'm able to talk about because there is one show, uh, and Juliet, that I saw that has not yeah, opened. And since I was same. on a comp ticket for that, I cannot talk about it until it's open. Also same. Yeah. So we'll talk about it after we're done recording. Yeah, though. of course, um, obviously. <laughs> so, so we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. But I'm eternally grateful that I get to, the opportunity to come up and see things and to see friends and meet yeah. people there uh, all the and time. And do it again so, in two weeks. And do it again. Yeah, uh, three, three and a half. Is it's, it? Uh, yeah, that's it's the fair second. Enough, I guess. So two, yeah. two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. Sure. Uh, but anyway, if you want to hear all about everything that we do here on Broadway Radio, head over to BroadwayRadio.com/slash/Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BroadwayRadio. All right, Ashley, we got some news on Tuesday, and it's not news that was unexpected, but the details themselves had not yet been announced. We did get confirmed dates for the upcoming Broadway premiere of the one-woman show Prima Facie that is starting, starring uh, Emmy Award winner Jodie Comer. This had previously played a sold-out run in London. It was written by Susie Miller and directed by Justin Martin. The show will play the Golden Theater this spring, beginning performances on April 11th with an opening night on April 23rd. It will be a limited 10-week engagement. So mid-ish April, 10 weeks is two and a half months. That puts it at the end of of June. Unless mm-hmm. Jody has a a uh, a prior engagement that has to send her off to go film something, I would imagine but that there likely. would be some opportunities to uh, extend this one. Uh, Jody Comer, uh, of course, originally came to prominence for most people, at least on this side of the pond. Uh, in the TV show Killing Eve, Eve which yeah. is at least the first season is phenomenal. First season is exceptional. I still haven't watched the last season yet, so yeah, it's had diminishing returns. Second, she, yeah, second season not so great. Yeah, she also appeared in the apparently beloved film, at least to my brother and niece, uh, opposite Ryan Reynolds, Free Guy. So oh, yeah, maybe you've see seen that her too. in that. Yeah, uh, I have not seen that one, but um, in the show. Comer plays Tessa, a successful defense attorney who climbed her way up from working class to respected professional. But she is attacked. And after she is attacked, Tessa reevaluates the power of the law, its patriarchal lineage, the burden of proof, and her own morality. Um, again, this is a one-person show, not not the one-person shows like we've seen with uh, Walking with Ghosts or Mike Birbiglia, The Old Man in the Pool, sure. where those are like autobiographical. It's, oh, yeah, it's not a memoir show. Correct. So, but I'm very excited. I think Jodie Comer is one of these young, Love her. obviously incredibly talented performers, and she's highly acclaimed already. Absolutely. But like, she's still, I think, a young star on the scene, and I think we are just still kind of figuring out what it is that she is fully capable of. And I think this is just another opportunity for Absolutely. us to, to peel back some layers on what her talents allows. Yeah, you mentioned Killing Eve, and it was such a breakout role for her. Now she's thankfully been in so many things since. One of the most booked people, kind of in the same boat of like Anya Taylor Joy. Um, but yeah, very excited to see this. I haven't really paid too much attention to any of the reviews or anything 
in its uh, London run. So I'm kind of going into this, I guess, as blindly as I can be. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, interesting how many solo shows we're getting right now, too, especially. I think it's a kind of a moment, even you, memoir or otherwise. Do you think it's a moment or do you think that it is producers trying to put these things on because it controls costs as opposed to things that have larger ensembles, whether a musical I, or a straight show? I would agree with that. I I would think, well, one, it's certainly cheaper to do so. And two, you're mm-hmm. also kind of piecemealing these seasons together sure. where we might not have the time and expense uh, to be able to put on a full scale production, but certainly can do a one person show. Yeah, for and, 10 and, weeks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one of those things where it's really easy to fill a slot. And we've talked about this before. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. this is great. Don't get me wrong. Like, but it's yeah, super absolutely. easy for all of a sudden. Um, Gabriel Byrne to announce that his one person show is coming over out of nowhere. Of course, that yeah. didn't go super well for him, sure. but like it's really easy to program these things in when you have a whole. And because even with a star like Jodie Comer or, um, or even Mike Birbiglia or, or Gabriel Byrne or whoever, um, mm-hmm. the costs are still significantly cheaper to have one person than like, 12 people in a cast. So I, I think it's probably a little bit of both still coming off of the weird scheduling issues out of the pandemic uh, yeah. and the shutdown and then having people concerned about budgets, not only because of the pandemic, but also because of concerns heading into what many people believe will be a recession in 2023. Well, that's still Surely. is still to be seen. But nonetheless, there are economic concerns that are playing into this. We talked about the article uh, from The Hollywood Reporter about these concerns. Mm-hmm. At least we mentioned it on Sunday's episode or Monday's episode. So a little bit of both, but uh, interesting to see. Looking forward to this one, even though the Subject matter, I think, will be a little bit difficult for a lot of people. Surely. Absolutely. All right. Another thing that happened on Tuesday is the 2023 Grammy Award nominations were released. Uh, And of course, for us, the one that really matters the most is the Best Musical Theater Album. We had a number of nominees, many of which I think are rightly deserved, but some of them I want to talk about. Not that I have an Mm. issue with any of them, but one of them I'm a little, I'm a little annoyed with. But the nominees are Caroline or Change. Into the Woods to obviously big Broadway revivals. Um, MJ the Musical, Mr. Saturday Night to new shows on Broadway. Then we have six live on opening night, a new Broadway show, but not the first cast album of the show. And then of course the Pulitzer Prize winner, A Strange Loop. My issue with this is, is, um, the fact that every single one of these shows has a varying degree of principal vocalists, which means that those people are, and there used to be rules and and they've changed these rules over the years to where it had to be, you had to be the main singer on 50% of the songs. Then they opened it up that said you have to be featured on a certain percentage of the songs. They've since pulled them back. But every single one of these shows has principal vocalists named, except for six. And that annoys Ah, me. And I don't know – that very well could be that you are only allowed to have four. I think that might actually be what the limit is. And they they weren't going to pick four of the six yeah. and leave the other ones off. But it seems to me we're in a show, in an album, where there are only six people on it and everyone has a solo and everyone sings on every single song. There should have been an opportunity to, I don't know, petition or whatever you have to do. You know, they do the petitions for the Tony Awards. But to – to petition the Academy to make an exception to allow all six to be uh, nominated as principal vocalists because it, it is sure. bonkers to me that we have um, David Pamer as a principal vocalist for Mr. Saturday Night, uh, where, uh, but we can't get 
Abby Mueller or, yeah, or Samantha Polly nominated. I, I so that annoys I, me. I see and I understand the complaint. Absolutely. Um, I will run through the nominees here just so you know, because they are now officially Grammy nominees. We have John Cariani, Sharon D. Clark, Casey Levy, and Samantha Williams for Carolina Change. Sarah Bareilles, Brian Darcy James, Patina Miller, and Philip Asu for Into the Woods. Uh, Miles Frost and Tavon Olds Sample for MJ. Shoshana Bean, Chris, uh, Billy Crystal, Randy Graff, and the aforementioned David Pamer for Mr. Saturday Night, and just uh, Jaquel Spivey for A Strange Loop. No no complaints about any of those, just complaints no, about the red tape that goes into some of these things. That's uh, what it is. It's all, it's all red tape, and I wonder about how much time they had to potentially petition six oh, and people they don't instead care. of four, but, but they, they don't, don't care. But they don't care about the musical theater yeah. album. No, they of course just not. Don't. Um, some other albums that are theater-related uh, that I wanted to point out, West Side Story, the film was nominated for a Grammy, and Kanto was nominated for a ton of Grammy. Grammys. Um, Anais Mitchell was nominated for a Grammy uh, as well. No, not Hadestown related, but yeah. she's a theater person now. So uh, she's got that. We will have a link in the show notes where you can find all of the Grammy nominations, including a bazillion albums that you never knew existed and do not <laughs> care to ever listen to. Oh, I care about all of them, please. No, you don't. Uh, no, you yeah, piece of liar. I, I do. How dare. Uh, a, a very important one is Viola Davis also was nominated for oh, the audiobook of her memoir, which if she wins, would make Beer her an got winner. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Mel, Mel Brooks was also nominated. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and maybe you in know. that same category. I'm not sure. Yep. Um, I saw that, but I'm rooting for Viola. Already good to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Already good to go. All right, so let's take a second real quick to talk about our sponsor, Today Ticks. You all know what Today Ticks is. They are one of our favorite apps and websites out there. As I am planning these rapid fire trips to New York, I am using Today Ticks on a regular basis. Yeah. Like, I mean, pretty much daily. Because I have such a quick turnaround, I have not done nearly as much planning for this December trip as I normally do, Get mainly because it. I was so focused on my November trip. So Today Ticks has been not only a show to help me find cheap tickets, but actually just to remind me about shows that I hadn't thought to put on my mm, schedule. Today yeah. Takes is invaluable to me. It's so easy to use. You can go to the website, todaytakes.com, or you can download the app and you can find the shows that you want to see for theater, music, uh, cabaret, comedy, whatever, in 30 seconds and get your tickets with ease. So you can find something that is right in your wheelhouse, something that you've always wanted to see, or you can find things that maybe push your boundaries and might open you up to things that you've never seen before. Absolutely. And for cheap, 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 like you mentioned, they have access to exclusive pre-sales, limited time offers, digital lottery programs, and day of discounted tickets. But it's not just for Broadway. It is not just for the West End. And not even just for off-Broadway. You can find tickets in cities across the country and around the world. That includes Chicago, LA, DC, San Francisco, Sydney, and more. The biggest shopping day of the year is coming up in it's just coming. over a week and Oof. the and the online edition of that happens in less than two weeks as well so you want to be able to take advantage of broadway's biggest sale with the today ticks cyber sale so download the app now be the first to know when certain things go on sale and get your tickets they are the best holiday presents mm -hmm. you could possibly get whether they are for somebody that you love or for yourself because you deserve a <laughs> i gift am as somebody well. i love exactly yes, that's good. very good point they also have a holiday section um, for things like a Sherlock Carol and of course Jefferson Mays is a Christmas Carol and all kinds of things. So if you're trying to come to the city for some holiday shows, they've got plenty. Absolutely. 
So see that show you've always wanted to see or discover something new that you'll love just as much for even less. Go to todaytakes.com slash Broadway and use promo code Broadway to get $10 off your first Today Takes purchase. That's promo code Broadway at todaytakes.com slash Broadway for an additional $10 off your first Today Takes purchase. One more time, todaytakes.com slash Broadway. Use promo code Broadway. All right, real quick, I'm going to run through this week's Broadway grosses because I want to talk about my shows. I'm going to do it fairly quickly. Love that. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. Um, there were a number of shows that just came to Broadway this week for the first time. We had three new shows on the boards, A Christmas Carol, Ohio State Murders, and Ain't No Mo. That brought the total Broadway uh, offerings up to 34 shows last week. Getting close. It's been a while since we've gotten near that 40, 41, 42 mark, but we are getting closer. That means that we saw an 8% increase in the total Broadway grosses, bumping up about $2.5 million. Overall, we had $32,314,920 in the collective coffers. But that 8% grosses increase also corresponded to an 11% increase in attendance. You're welcome. To come in at 272232 butts in seats. The biggest riser of the week was Wicked, which saw a just over a little more than $291,000 uh, bumping itself up. Interestingly enough, almost an identical, literally 30, uh, yeah, $36 difference between how much Wicked increased to how much a beautiful noise, the Neil Diamond musical increased as well. Difference again, of course, is a beautiful noise was going from a shorter week during its first week of previews to its first seven week, uh, seven show week of previews. Um, Into the Woods also saw a pretty sizable increase at nearly $218,000. Almost Famous, Cursed Child, Beetlejuice, and Juliet, Chicago, Aladdin, and Six all moved up over six figures, which is a pretty staggering amount of shows to see that much of an increase. Overall, The Music Man was the highest grocer, of course, at $2,926,394. Hamilton was in second, again, back up over $2 million at $2.04 million, followed by MJ at $1.82, then Wicked at $1.7, and Phantom of the Opera coming in fifth. We've talked about this phenomenon of these long-running shows closing really having a big yeah. impact. It was fifth on the grosses ladder at... I mean, essentially 1.7 million. The rest of the shows north of seven figures in descending order are Funny Girl, The Lion King, Cursed Child, Moulin Rouge, Aladdin, Beetlejuice, Leopoldstadt, Just Going Strong, Six, A Beautiful Noise, The Book of Mormon, and then The Piano Lesson is just on the outside uh, at $985,000. Down at the other end of the scale, Ain't No Mo in just its first five shows, so it's a little bit different there had $87,000, a pretty paltry number there, unfortunately. K-pop was next on the list at $134,000. Then we had just the first three performances of Ohio State Murders, and then uh, seven performances of A Christmas Carol in there as well. All right, real quick. Uh, actually, I did want to mention we talked. Did we talk about we talked about the, going to the Museum of Broadway? Did we not? Yeah, we did. We talked yes. about it on the show. Yeah, but it officially opened on Tuesday. So if you have been seeing like literally everybody in the theater community posting pictures and talking about it, you can now go. And as we talked about last week, there it's not the cheapest ticket in the world. It's not the most expensive ticket in the world, but no, there are ways to get cheap tickets if you um, have some flexibility on when you can go. So definitely check that mm-hmm. out for any of you theater lovers. 
All right, so want to talk about the shows that I've seen since we last discussed them. Uh, you went to see Anne Juliet with our friend Robbie Rizel. You can't true. talk about that yet. Not but yet. I went and saw 1776 with Robbie. Yes. And um, that is an experience. He, uh, I think you all know. That's I, the way to I, put it. I really love uh, 1776 as a show, despite mm. the fact that it's not exactly like the best show in the world, but there's just something about it that I really enjoy. And there are things about the Roundabout Theater Company's production of 1776 that I absolutely love. There are also some things on that stage that have no mm-hmm. business on a professional theater, <laughs> yeah. let alone a Broadway theater. And some of those things have to do with staging decisions. Some of those things have to do with set design. Some of those things, unfortunately, have to do with some of the people that were cast. Um, I will say that I did see, if you remember, Crystal and Lloyd is now playing John Adams after mm-hmm. uh, uh, Crystal Lucas Perry departed to go over to Ain't No Mo. So it was interesting to see her knowing that she had not rehearsed with this company. She had not uh, done the out of town tryout with this company. So, uh, it was a little bit of a different vibe. She was phenomenal though. Um, and I, I really wonder if it would have had a slightly different impact on the show had she been there. I don't know what Crystal Lucas Perry was doing that might have been differently, but I just have mm-hmm. to wonder as great as she was, um, if there would have been differences if she had been a part of the show all along. Of course, Carolee Carmelo is phenomenal. A uh, yeah, she is, uh, is and always will be fantastic. I really enjoyed, um, Aaron LaCroix, who was a former Christine Dye on Broadway. She played the dual roles of Dr. Lyman Hall, the representative from Georgia and Martha Jefferson. So she gets to, to sing the iconic song made famous by Betty Buckley. He plays the violin. There was a lot of thirsty horniness going on on stage that is always baked into that. That is not new. That is sure. in the text of the show, <laughs> yeah. but there was a lot going on here um, no with that one. No notes there, I suppose. I am the correct audience for that interpretation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you are. Um, uh, I really thought that, um, uh, there were some other folks in there as I'm kind of through, going through uh, my script that really stood out in my script, my my program that stood out. And I'm not going to get all the names because there's such a, a huge cast in here. But um, I, I think it's worth seeing. I think it was creative. I think it was interesting. I don't think it was especially well executed by Diane Paulus and Jeffrey Page. I, I will say that Jeffrey Page was the choreographer out of town. He was not the co-director when it played the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, right. Massachusetts. There has not been from reports a whole lot of changes that happened since Cambridge. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to assign most of my concerns about the staging uh, of this show to Diane Paulus, which is so strange because there's been such a – I mean, again, talk is about it? diminishing returns with with Killing Eve. When you look at something like Pippin that she staged, which was just nearly perfect, Waitress, not perfect, yeah. but I really yeah. liked. Then you get to Jagged Little Pill and this. It really seems like there's been a, a disconnect in, in her staging over the years in terms at least of her Broadway offerings. And I would assign most of that to her even though she is technically the co-director. Uh, but the show didn't change much after they announced Jeffrey Page as being elevated to that role. Then, actually, this is one you and I can talk about together. We went over to see Top Dog Underdog yeah. at the Golden Theater, um, uh, Su- Susan Lurie Parks' Pulitzer Prize winning show, stars uh, Corey Hawkins of the in the in the Heights film and Tragedy of Macbeth film, as well as uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen the second, who is an Emmy Award winner for the TV show Watchmen, also will be playing so Wonder Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I have to tell you, like I don't know 
I was, I've been teasing this. I was supposed to interview Kenny Leon yesterday and he had Uh, some technical issues. So we're, we're trying to reschedule. But my first question, tease if we ever get to do that is like, is it possible to direct chemistry or is it just something that has to happen? Because these two characters, these two actors play brothers. And it felt like it. It felt not only like they were brothers, but it just felt like they had this shared history of not only familial, you know, relations, yeah. but like depth and like conflict and love built on top of it. Very it felt very communal. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a show that I think is, despite the fact that it was written pre 9-11 in a much different New York City where it uh, obviously takes place. It felt so of the moment that you are dealing with people who are kind of living on the knife's edge of hope and optimism and and aspiration, as well as desperation and and grief and lost opportunity. It felt like uh, something that could have been written like Susan Laurie Parks's um, uh, uh, plays for the plague year, like yeah. could have been written during COVID about COVID. And it felt very natural and authentic for our time, Ashley, completely. despite the fact that it is now 22 years old. Yeah, absolutely there. I really, uh, so going into this, I didn't know much about it. I've never read it and I've never seen a staged production of it. I left absolutely wanting to read it. And like I said, and like you said, the chemistry between the two of them was sensational, felt very communal, very brotherly. Um, what I do want to see with this production or future productions or reading it in general, I had a sense of like, one, you have these two not unreliable narrators, but unreliable protagonists slash antiheroes, I sure. guess. Um, and I could see this, I, I could see this being performed either very straight or very surreal. And I would love to see how it reads on the page to kind of mm. be able to see what that would look like in my brain in this very surreal, delicate kind of world. But I, I love the way that it was performed. And I mean, the ending is killer. I just <laughs> completely knocked oh, serious? back. Did you, di- did you just really do that? I didn't intentionally, but I guess that's a spoiler alert for you. I mean, for a, for a 22 year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony winning, Pulitzer Jesus. Prize winning play. Yeah. Spoiling it um, from Matt Tamanini. Yeah, I'm just saying. You said it, not eh. me. Um, all right, so moving on, I went from that <laughs> devastating play uh, about and by uh, a black playwright to later that night I went over to the Ethel Bay Moore Theater and saw August Wilson's The Piano Lesson, Natch. which is just like, my God, the cast of this show with Samuel L. Jackson, John David Washington, who, if you don't know that name... You will. He yeah. is also Denzel Washington's son. Then Danielle Brooks, Michael Potts, Ray Fisher, um, April Mathis is in there as well in a very small, small role, but uh, coming off of her acclaimed runs, uh, as Tony, um, Tony Stone, right? That was the name of her mm-hmm. character in that baseball play. Um, this is not probably ever going to be considered the best August Wilson play. Um, it has some, pretty long stretches where I think that things could have been tightened where in shows like Jitney and Fences and Ma Rainey and King Headley, things 
those stretches where like plot isn't necessarily happening really feel though like character development is happening. I felt like there was a lot of repetition in those moments in this show where in other shows they're not. But what made up for it is the fact that this cast is absolutely dynamite Mm -hmm. and it's really impossible to take your eyes off anybody. I will tell you, John David Washington we can talk about nepotism in in performing arts and and film and theater all we want but there is also something and as you know as a sports fan like athletic ability is in people's genes and dna sure absolutely so so like Ken Griffey Jr. being one of the best baseball players, having a father who played in the in Major League Baseball for a long time, makes sense. Same thing here with John David Washington. Like he has some of his dad's elements. And while I will go to my grave saying that I think Denzel Washington is one of the top four actors of my lifetime, Correct. or at least right now, um, I don't know that John David Washington will ever be there just because like that's such a high bar to clear. But there were moments when I'm watching him, watching him and I'm very easily could have been convinced that I was watching an archive footage of Denzel doing mm-hmm. this show um, because he is spectacular. Uh, Danielle Brooks, one of my Always absolute favorites. And to see her in a role that is a little bit more understated than what I'm used to seeing her in, whether that is on stage or screen, I think that was very, very fun and very cool. Ray Fisher, who I only really knew as a superhero from the much discussed uh, <laughs> Justice League mm-hmm. movie where he was effectively pushed out of the entire DC extended universe because he called out racism Oops. in the production. Uh, he was great in a character that was like, if you didn't know what who he was and what he sounded like, you were like, you would have just thought it was a natural performance from him. Um, really great. I'm 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 glad that I saw it. Obviously, anytime you can see Samuel L. Jackson on stage, uh, you do. And his wife, uh, Latanya Richardson Jackson, is the director here. So I thought that was uh, pretty wonderful as well. The last show that I'm able to talk about, I went over to Brooklyn to see the Bedlam Theater Company's uh, Hedda Gabler, which oh, is yeah. in rep with a winner's tale. Um, the show, I believe, is closed or is closing this week. Uh, so there's not many opportunities to see it left. But I will just say this is a pretty edited and transformed version of Hedda Gabler written by John or it's adapted by John uh, Robin Bates from uh, Ibsen's original, obviously. But there were some phenomenal performances in here. Uh, Susanna Milanzi, Milanzi, I think is how you say her name, played Hedda. And my God, I mean, you have to have somebody who is absolutely magnetic and charismatic and sensual and alluring, but also absolutely devastating and diabolical in that role. And she gave mm. all of that to me in spades. I thought that Ryan Quinn as the judge was really great. Eric Turner as Teesman. Um, was phenomenal as well. This was seemed very similar to me. I saw um, uh, Seagull from um, um, Elevator Repair Service mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year. So very similar interpretations of those classic tales where it's not set in the time period. They really play with space and time and modernity and things like that. So um, I really enjoyed it. It's uh, not necessarily going to be everybody's cup of tea because they did take a f- quite a few licenses sure. with the original, but, uh, but really, really enjoyed the opportunity to see that interpretation of a classic show. Um, again, and Juliet saw it on Friday. We'll talk about it when it officially Soon. opens. Um, and which is later this week. Yeah. On Thursday. Thursday. 
All right, that's all that I have for you all. Thank you for listening today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful hump day. Sorry for going long, but you know how I get no, when I talk not. about my shows. Yeah. I mean, Your you're going to have to edit it. Yeah. My shows. Yeah, my apologize directly to me. <laughs> yeah. Your you're fine. Yeah. No, that's I'm, – I'm way behind on General Hospital. Ah, uh, well. Whoops. Anyway. Anyway, have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.